Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Jamie Thompson. Jamie is LA's premier dating coach for men and she's the founder of The Mystery Key. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jamie. Awesome. It's good to be here. So I think we should kind of start find out more about you. How did you get into what you're doing? Well, I decided I wanted to become a life coach about seven years ago. And in that process, it was time to pick a niche. And I was always the girl that all my, I always had a lot of guy friends and they would always call me and be like, will you go out with us? Because I was really good at helping them meet girls. And I just did this because I thought it was fun and I, you know, liked going out and got along with guys and everything. So that was kind of how I initially decided that I wanted to work with men specifically. And I find human behavior and the process of attraction very fascinating. So it was something I just started studying and um, eventually started getting clients from referrals from friends of mine that I had already been going out with. And that, and it, the, the process of what my a technique has turned into has gone through so many different, um, I guess, facelifts along the way because I started off doing one thing and now what I do is completely different. So, um, but it's, it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy it and I'm glad that I get to do it. Sounds awesome. You said that your strategy for coaching has changed over time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, at some way along the way, um, I'm also an actress. And I, when I really started acting about three years ago, I noticed that I started seeing all of my weird behavioral tics on camera. Like I would, you know, record a scene or something and I would be in class and I would see, okay, I'm doing this lip smacking thing all the time and it's super annoying. And I would see it on other people too. Like, okay, that girl blinks a lot. She needs to stop blinking. You know, this guy has this weird posture. And if you just put his shoulders back, he'd look a lot more confident. So I started seeing a lot of these things like behavioral tendencies. And, um, and I was like, gosh, I should start putting my clients on camera. So I started doing, I've always done a lot of like mock approach type of situations where I have them approach me and a female assistant, either or, and practice different exercises, give them things to do and help them that way through actually practicing in a safe environment before we actually go out in the field where the stress levels can be higher. So I was like, well, what if I added the camera? So I started recording them. And what I loved about it is it brought their anxiety up, like as if they were out in the field. And um, so they, they were still dealing with their anxiety and having to work through that and still be effective in their interactions. And, but the best thing about it is that I could point out the things that they are doing and they could see it because our brains work in such a way that if we see ourselves doing something that we don't wanna be doing, if we wanna be confident, we see something that makes us look needy or insecure, our brain is automatically going to go to work in solving that problem and, and trying to figure out how to fix that and not do that anymore. So I found it to be incredibly effective for people to actually see what they're doing. And then they don't have to take my word for it. I'm like 
look at the difference between this and that, and I can show them and they can see it. And I just find that it helps people change much more quickly. So I used to do other things like hypnotherapy and um, just a lot of like infield, more infield type of coaching. And now I always start out in in my living room with a video camera with another, you know, with another girl and have them do, you know, a few approaches um, or like a mock first date so I can see where they're at with things and then and then basically go from there. So that's kind of how it's changed. That's awesome. You talked a little bit about approaching you or your assistant. What are some of the other exercises that you teach when you're in your role play sessions? Uh, well, I have them do a lot, like a lot of times, whatever someone is afraid of being is what they actually need to work on. So for example, um, I had a client yesterday who is a really just has an excellent sense of humor, really smart, really witty, and he's afraid of being smart, you know, so he kind of dumbs himself down and says, I don't know a lot to the answers of questions. And I'm like, no, you need to like, you're the type of guy that will school people constantly. Cause you're really, you're smarter than most people and you're really witty. So I was like, be that way and actually work on doing the thing that you think that you shouldn't do. And he did that and it was really funny and it was over the top and it was too much, but then it's like, okay, now go back and just add that flavor in. And, and then it's, it's a much more, it's much more him. It's, it's his personality coming across in the interaction instead of him trying to be some vanilla shade of normal, which is always extremely boring. Um, that's one example. Another, you know, another thing I like to do is, um, I like to have them practice getting rejected, like rejected really hard. You know, like I'll have, um, my assistant reject them or I will, or sometimes I'll have them approach both of us at, at a time. Cause that can be even more challenging, you know, approaching a, a, a group and we'll reject, reject them and then have them work on dealing with that because that's something that's always going to happen. So if you can get comfortable with rejection and have it not mean anything about you and just be like, you know, she's having a bad day or she, you know, isn't into, you know, tall white guys or whatever, you know, have it be, um, something that's not a personal attack on yourself, then you'll be, you'll be more successful. Uh, there's a lot of exercises that I do though. Um, oh, another one, one of my favorite ones is, um, uh, sexual tension, which is one of my favorite things is working with people in sexual tension, because I feel like that is the difference between the guy who she sees as a friend immediately and the guy who she could consider sleeping with. Because when a, when a guy walks up to me or any other female, we always have like within five seconds, we know whether we would sleep with you or not, period. And so if you can learn how to carry a certain amount of sexual tension without coming across as a douchebag and without coming across as creepy, it automatically puts you in the category that you want to be in. So I like to work with people on sexual tension a lot. And, um, one of the ways I like to do that because I, you know, I had to think long and hard about this cause I'm like, you know, a lot of times guys will come up and they will say something sexual and then it's immediately a turnoff. 
But if they come up carrying sexual energy and say something normal, then it's like, I have no idea why that was hot, but it was hot. And that's kind of the, the area that you want to go, that you want to go in. So, um, I like to work with people on learning how, like I, I always say, think about something sexual about her, like something really specific and sexual. Like, I mean, you know, I don't know how explicit you get on this podcast, but I mean, whatever it is. You get as explicit <laughs> as you want to get explicit. Okay. All right. I was like, there's an, this isn't like PG-13. We're, we're talking about sexual tension, so I don't, want to hold, <laughs> exactly. I don't want to hold you back. Okay, good. All right. Great. I love that. Um, so, I mean, like if you need to think about her giving you a blowjob when you, when you are walking up to talk to her and that's what's going to kind of get your turn on your, you know, your sexual juices and kind of get that system running. Um, that is exactly what you need to do. And I don't care what you say, but if you say it and you're, you're actually thinking that and you're actually feeling that in your body, whatever you say is going to come across as more attractive and more interesting than if you just say something regular. So that's kind of my favorite thing is like pairing like that sexual energy with like, so what are you drinking? You know, like something that's like so completely normal and, and, um, and would not be thought of as anything, but you're just carrying that kind of, um, that kind of tension. So I practice that with them as one of them. So what you're saying is when, when a guy thinks about her giving him a blow job and then says, Hey, what are you drinking? But with that tone or with that subcommunication, like sexuality is better than walking up and asking a girl if she'd give him a blowjob. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, now there's also the whole thing of like, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of risk. You know, I, I think here, here's the point is however you put, inject sexuality into your initial conversations with women, do it somehow. I would rather you walk up and ask her if she will give you a blowjob then come up with some super generic energy where you're super in your head and you're, you're leading with your mind. All, all I want is you not to lead with your mind because if you're leading with your mind, you're going to engage her logically. And that's something that is like, Oh great. We're going to have a really, a really, well, it might not even be that interesting, probably a relatively mediocre heady conversation. And she's not going to remember you because you're not igniting any sort of an emotional response. So if, if you need to walk up and say, I mean, if you have the guts to do that, I think that's hilarious because honestly, you say that to five, five women in a bar, say, we probably wouldn't do that during the day, but you say that to five women at a bar, a couple of them are going to just get really pissed. Maybe want to walk away or something, but a lot of, uh, several of them are going to laugh and think you're joking because no one says that. No one, no one does that. So if you say something like that and then you're like, actually, I, I, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to see what you would do. I'm, you know, I'm Jamie. Nice to meet you. Something like that. And then you go from this wild, crazy thing to normal conversation. She's gonna be like, wow, that guy's got some guts, you know? So I'm not actually even saying that's something that wouldn't work for some people. Now there are some people I wouldn't recommend doing that to. That's kind of a a case by case thing. But I mean, if you really want to expand yourself and do some like pushing your comfort zone exercises, then absolutely go say something really wild like that. I have a buddy of mine. This is years ago when I was like trying to figure this stuff out. And he used to walk up. Well, he'd walk up to girls and we'd watch him walk up to girls 
And then they would just start giggling. They'd start laughing out loud. And then he would just like sit down with them and act like really cool. And uh, we watched him do this. Me and a, another buddy watched him do this probably 20 times over a weekend. And finally, my other friend asked him, like, what are you saying to these girls? And he goes, I tell them I have the biggest dick they've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, no, you don't. And he goes, sometimes. <laughs> and, and I knew from that response, that's what he was actually doing. And the truth is, like, the guy wasn't the best guy with women, but he was definitely aggressive. That guy would approach 100 girls in a night. And uh, through sheer persistence, he was always dating at least a dozen girls. He had some of the most epic, entertaining blowouts I've ever seen in the history of male-female relations, but um, it, it was always fun to watch him. You talked about rejecting people in, in your role plays in an epic way. Like, what are some of the ways that you would reject a guy when you're role-playing him? Um, oh, you know, just all the typical, you know, like the big three uh, responses. I have a boyfriend. Something about I don't give my number to strangers, which is the biggest line of bullshit anyone's ever heard. And just like the ignoring, I'm going to just look away and kind of walk away type of thing. Kind of different variations of those. And then um, sometimes getting a little bit, you know, sometimes getting a little meaner about it, probably as mean as a girl's ever going to get. Here's the thing. I mean, if you're if you're walking, it's it's all about the the risk level. You know, if you're walking up saying, you know, I have the biggest dick you've ever seen, you know, if, if you get rejected, it's probably going to be a harder rejection than if you're just like, you know, a, a casual like, you know, hey, what what's up or something like that. It's it's going to be a harder rejection. So it kind of depends on what they're coming with. Um, but I think that the most important thing with rejection is learning when to like being willing to let it go at any time. Um, and that's kind of what the point of that exercise is, is like being willing to almost like you leave because it's your choice to leave, not because she made you leave. It's like you, you still stand in your own power and you're not like taken off your course because she isn't interested in you. I think you got some great stuff here. Let's say a guy actually does go into a bar, approaches somebody, and gets one of these epic rejections. What should he do? Well, it depends on um, what the rejection was. But I it, I mean, if it's like I've seen something that was really funny that a, a client did one time where he basically like it's like whatever you do, you laugh it off like it's good natured. And the whole thing was just like fun anyway. Um, and so one way of, of kind of dealing with that and ending on a high note anyway, and kind of making the girl think like, if it's an epic rejection and you said something high risk and she just now, you know, totally dissed you or whatever, I've, I've seen guys give her a high five, like, all right, yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. You know, or something. And then walk away. And she's like, wait, what just happened? Did I, did I just insult him? And he didn't, cause if you don't take it as an insult, it's not an insult. So that's a, you know, that's a, another way if you want to end it and get out. Another thing is just to, uh, you know, just to give it back to her. If she's not feeling what you're saying and she puts you down or something like that, you know, you can always just, if you're the witty type of person that can think on their feet, then, you know, throw something back and, and turn it into like almost a, it kind of becomes like a sexual fight because if she's getting really mad at you, 
then she's still giving you some energy. You're still creating an emotional reaction. So that's a good thing. If she turns or turns away and ignores you, then that's actually a bigger insult than her calling you a douchebag. Um, you know, so if you can look at her calling you a douchebag or whatever it is that she did, or, you know, pouring a drink as you on you as like, oh, wow, you know, it was really hot in here anyway. Thank you. You know, or, or something like come, you know, come back with something such that you see it as a positive thing. Many times you can even turn the negative reaction into a positive one because anger is attractive in a weird way. It made me think of the same guy. It's funny because I, I don't, I seldom ever talk about him. Just like an old but I used to hang out with. But one time we were, I was visiting New York City and we went went to this club and we were trying to get in. We kind of went to the front of the line and we're trying to muscle our way in. And, and we get in uh, inside and uh, he's trying to seduce the girl who's selling the tickets to try to get in for free. And so he asked her, he's like, what's your name? And she says, I don't have one. <laughs> and he looked at her and he goes, your parents are fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but it was it was epic. No, I, I mean I think you have some really great great tips here that uh, are really valuable for the guys who are listening. Something else to talk a lot about is masculine energy. Can you talk a little bit about how guys can cultivate a more masculine presence? Yes. Um, so I think that what happens a lot of times is guys who are in a particularly um, you know, they don't, they don't deal with a lot of people on a regular basis in their job. Like maybe they are working with computers a lot and they're, they're not actually interacting with people. Um, and also guys who just really haven't been laid in a long time. I mean, here's the thing. And I, you know, I'm a woman and I'll say this, but just side note, like if you're going out trying to meet girls and you haven't been laid in a year, you just need to find a way to get laid <laughs> I mean, before because your energy is, is going to be, um, much more needy on a, on a sexual level. And you want to be like sexy, not, not needy sexually. So it's best to, um, make sure that you're, you're, you're not like out there needing to get laid because that will definitely affect your results. Anyway, side note. So, um, I think that what happens is, is when guys aren't having a lot of, interaction with attractive women on a regular basis, their, their sexuality kind of starts to shut down and they start thinking about things too much. And I think that, um, your, your brain is like the number one thing that gets in the way of your masculine presence, because you, if you're thinking so much, you're not in your body actually feeling and experiencing. So it's kind of a, a subtle shift, but cultivating a masculine presence is just about getting more in your body because you're a man. So your masculine presence is, is automatically there. You're just having a block to it coming from your mind. So I, I mean, I, I love to see guys doing things, physical things of some sort, um, any type of sports, even if you're not like, you know, the starring quarterback in high school or whatever, you know, you can go and start to do something physical, mar martial arts, you know, different types of, um, physical activity, even, even just lifting weights or running or just something getting in your body so that you're more physical. I, I think is a really great thing. 
Um, and, and then also just like checking in and tuning into your, even like your genital region a little more. Like I feel like guys are a lot of times have this like negative, um, idea of like, oh, well, I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be creepy. So they like basically cut themselves off at the waist and they're not like that part of their body almost becomes mapped out. And so I feel like a lot of times it's, it's kind of like the masculine dark side, which is if you're in relationship with that, it's, it's really hot. So it, and a lot of times it feels a little bit, you know, it's your power, it's your anger, it's your kind of masculine raw sexuality that's, that's tied into your masculinity. So a lot of men through our culture, you know, which is sad that this is the way our culture is, have been taught that that stuff's not okay. And, and a lot of times at a young age, so a lot of times it's programmed in really young and you have to almost undo all these years of like cultural programming, whether it be from your family or other people to actually, um, realize that this is not a bad thing, that this is actually that when you become in relationship with this, there's this whole other, you know, there's this whole part of you where women are like, okay, that's a guy who could grab me by the hair and fuck me, which is, as I said, we decide in, you know, five seconds if we would have sex with you or not. And it, it, so when you're carrying that energy, it's like, um, it's funny. I just, I, I'm thinking of this guy who really doesn't have a lot of brains, you know, he's really not that smart. And, um, but he has so much sexual energy that it's like, I know what's going on. Like I a hundred percent know why I'm attracted to him. And I still, you know, and I don't want to be attracted to him, but for some reason, it's like when he walks in the room, it's just like immediately has an effect on my biology because it's biological. It's not necessarily a choice. Like the sexual attraction thing is not a choice. It just happens. It's something that is a chemical thing that happens in a woman's body in response to the man's body. And, and, you know, he just ha- carries this, like, this sexual, this sexual vibe, and he's got this sexual confidence. And um, so, yeah, I think cultivating a masculine presence is really important um, because it's ultimately what makes you attractive in a sexual way to the other woman. And I think that, that guys in, you know, people who come to me for coaching and just what I see in the industry – guys are way too focused on what to say and not nearly as focused enough on like things like their masculine presence and things like cultivating confidence and learning to, um, you know, and having great hobbies and, and doing good, you know, cool things in their life. So they actually have stuff to talk about. It's like, it's not about this, this heady thing because that's not where chemistry happens. Chemistry does not happen in the brain. It's, it's like a, 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 an attraction that happens in the body. And then she's like, okay, let me go to my logical mind to make sure that there are qualities that line up with this attraction that I'm feeling biologically right now. That's how it happens. It doesn't happen the other way. She's not like, oh, this guy is really smart and interesting. Let me check in with my biology to see if he's turning me on. No, she knows if she's being turned on. And if she's not, then that's where it's going to end. So... Yeah, get that, get that, get that moving. <laughs> you know, if there's any shame around um, sexuality or masculine presence or 
being a man or, you know, like wanting to take a girl and fuck her, if there's any shame around that, then that's the first place that I think that someone needs to go. Because when you can get rid of that and start to make that discomfort that you feel around that, um, it's going to feel uncomfortable at first. If you have shame there, you're going to be wading through your own, you know, shame for a little while. And then um, at some point you become more comfortable with the discomfort and then the discomfort kind of turns into something else and, and you start to see it as growth. And when you can see discomfort as growth, then you know you're on the right track. That was a really long-winded answer. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't want to be too forward, but I think I think I might be falling in love with you, Jamie. <laughs> I mean, I, I usually I usually tell guys, even if you go into a conversation and you have a normal conversation, you want her to go home and masturbate to you. Yes. Or, or, or if you yeah. like, or if you have sex with a girl, you want her to go home and still masturbate and think about you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that sexual Seriously. tension. A lot of guys are just disconnected from themselves. And I know there's a point in my life. Yeah. I, I was too. And I love hearing this from you because I can say it over and over and over and women can kind of like attack it or whatever. But the reality is yeah. women want to have sex with men, right? <laughs> um, for the most part, uh, they don't, most women don't want to have sex with other women. Um, and so they're, they're attracted to that masculinity and our society has just kind of made guys suppress it for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And, um, and, and some of that stuff, okay, like some of it makes sense. That's not the point of this podcast. We can talk about it on some other, some other platform. But, the, but when it comes to dating and sex, um, you guys got to get in touch. If you're listening, you got to get in touch with your needs. It's okay to be a man. It's okay to want to fuck women. It's okay to want to have sex with the hottest women you possibly can find. It's, this is biology. It's, it's just biology. Yeah. And, and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Yeah, I hope I'm not too forward, but I think I'm falling in love with you. <laughs> well, I, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. Okay, so we've established that guys don't need to be embarrassed of who they are, that they need to get in touch with their sexuality. Um, I know that there's a ton of anxieties out there bouncing around in the listeners' heads. What are some of the things that they can do to get past those anxieties and just be more confident with women? Okay, so um, one of the things that I also like to do as a, another kind of exercise type of thing um, is... And this is something is basically practicing that energy and, and being that way and being non-apologetic, which is one of my favorite words. 
Um, and I, I like to have them sit down and actually say, like, the shit that they're feeling. Like, what do you really want to do to her? You know, how do you really want this to go? And, and actually have them, and many times it takes a little while for them to become comfortable because there's so much shame out of just simply being like, I really want to fuck you. Like, there's just so much shame around saying that to, to a, a, you know, a woman. And I don't necessarily recommend going out during the day and saying that to, like, the lady that's in front of you at the bank. You know, I mean, like, that, you know, I don't, I don't want to be responsible for anyone getting arrested. But... Yeah, you don't... Like, there's this definitely an emotional intelligence component to this. Like, I'm not yes. the guy who's going to go out and say, tell every single girl... I want to fuck you and then see what happens. Um, that, that's yeah. not what, what I'm advocating. And I don't think it's what Jamie is advocating. But if you're in a relationship and you're dating somebody, if you have a healthy sex life, you are going to feel comfortable saying, I want to fuck you. Or I want you to turn around and bend over or whatever, being sexually forward. So the question is, like, at one point, do you interject that energy and not only when do you do it from an energy perspective, but verbally, there's like, there's a timing, there's a magic to this. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I love this subject. Okay. And, and you got me a little bit excited <laughs> when you said that. Good. Um, okay. <laughs> so, um, see that, that's the thing is like, it's so like guys don't, guys don't get it. Like I, it's, I mean, they do some do anyway, sorry, rant. Okay. So, um, two things. So first I, yes, going out and it, having the emotional, intelligence, you know, like just being aware of your surroundings, social awareness, I think is, is really important with that. Um, but yes, when you're dating, absolutely. And I have a really good story about that, but also one of the things I like to do in sessions is have them do that with me or my assistants and then watch themselves on camera doing it. And it's like, I mean, this, the shame in the room is so thick. You could just cut it with a knife and then eventually they get more comfortable with it. And then eventually it becomes hot. And, and me and my assistant are like sweating in the session and we're like, yes, yes, this is it. This is it. Okay. Now approach me saying exactly the same thing you just said half an hour ago. And, and it, and it works and it's immediately causes a biological emotional response immediately because they're they worked through that shame to like the good juicy man manliness, you know, and, and they're, and they're just owning it. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I, this is what I'm going to do. And even though they're not saying that because they have social awareness, they're still carrying that energy. So that's that now. Um, okay. The, the whole thing, like if you're dating a girl and you've been dating her for, um, I don't even care how long, if, if you guys are getting sexual, the first time you have sex, absolutely don't be afraid to, you know, pull out the, the, the dirty talk, you know, be sexual. Um, because women as well. Okay. We are under the same cultural sexual suppress, suppress, suppression. I don't even know if that's repression. I mean, yeah, we're under the same thing that you guys are. And we're just begging, just dying for someone to release us from our cultural cage. So it like I recently was in a relationship. It was it was a long relationship, um, and it was awesome. There was a lot of heart energy in it, but I was definitely a little bit sexually repressed during the relationship because I am more of a freak, for lack of a better term, than the guy that I was with. And so I ended up. He was a lot more conservative than I am. So I ended up kind of repressing myself in different ways. 
So I came out of this relationship and I was like, Jesus, somebody fuck me. <laughs> like I just, this has to happen. You know, and I didn't go around saying that, but that's absolutely what I was thinking. Like I, I, I need that right now. And sure enough, someone showed up and, um, who was like to this date, the most, um, just sexually uninhibited man that I've ever been with. And it was amazing because I, I felt like I, you know, have been exploring new parts of myself and doing things that I never really have done before, trying things that I've always wanted to do. You know I mean? It's like, it's just been this, this constant thing and it's so uninhibited and it's so free and I'm more comfortable and less self-conscious with this person that I've known for a few months than I was in two and a half years in a relationship. Now, how you can explain that is that the guy that I was with was not in touch with his own um, sexuality in that level. And he's an amazing guy. I'm absolutely not putting him down, and that's not what this is meant for, but it's more like this one thing. He just wasn't really comfortable in his own sexuality and wasn't really, or just didn't have the desire to explore anything and was just a little more vanilla. So I, someone who is naturally very sexually expressed, became self-conscious. So his energy, and and that's not his fault. That was my choice. I could have just been like, no, fuck this. I'm going to be, you know, wild and deal with his reaction, but that's not what I chose to do. But the point is, is that he influenced me in that way to actually make me uh, less fun in bed (laughs) because he was uncomfortable with you know, some, even like some dirty talking and some things I would say didn't, didn't, um, elicit the response that would have me keep saying these things and keep doing these things. So it's just interesting that the type of person that you are will directly impact how she is sexually and in the bedroom and everything with you. Yeah. I mean, as men, you are the leaders, you're leading the relationship. She might be the leader in other aspects of her life, but when she's interacting with her man, you are the leader. And so your energy is contagious. Uh, I think that's a wonderful example. Also, one thing about that, if I can just say this too, you know, if you're dealing with a woman who's more alpha, which I tend to be, um, and is just a little more, you know, she's a leader in her life. If she's got her shit together and she knows who she is and she's kind of like, I don't need a man type of woman, you need to be even more of a leader, even a little bit more aggressive because... I will, without really intentionally doing it, emasculate a man and almost become the man in the relationship. And that's something I have to work on as a woman. You know, I mean, like that's, I, that's my own journey is, is working on that. But, you know, when, when I'm with, for example, the guy I was, I was talking about that I've been seeing now, it's like, I, I'm not that way. I don't even try. And if I do, I, it's, it's almost like he just sort of puts me in a certain place and sometimes it pisses me off, but it's actually what I really want. Whether I say it's what I want or not, the thing every strong woman wants is to be submissive and to feel feminine around a man because his masculine energy is so strong. We can't compete. We're a woman. We, we just be, like learned how to be a little bit more masculine because we had to, for some reason to survive in the business world, usually, um, or brothers or, you know, something, but really what we want is someone to be like, no, you're my woman and I'm going to take you right now. Awesome. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to take one step back. 
and just give a quick tip. Guys often don't know how to move things sexual. And, and the tip I usually tell people or what my kind of standard response is, you want to make the move that she's thinking about. You don't want her to think about the move she wants you to make and then make it for you. You want to make the move that she's thinking about, right? So you approach her and you're in a normal conversation, just having a normal conversation, then it's probably the wrong time to say, like, I want you to give me a blowjob. But if you guys are, there's some sexual tension, you have physical contact, you're moving out of your personal space, you've made some comment about how she has sexy hair, sexy skin, or this incredible sexual energy, she doesn't seem to be backing up, tensing up, whatever, you're within her personal space, she's touching you, you have prolonged touch, uh, it's under a sexual context, that's when you kiss her. Because she's thinking about it. When you guys are making out, and you're starting to get erect because you're turned on and her nipples are getting hard and she's like pushing her pelvis towards you like you're getting really turned on that's when you grab her by the back of the hair and you lean in and say i want to fuck you we should get out of here it's, you make the move that she's thinking about and how do you know what she's thinking you look at the way that she's responding to what you're doing but if you follow that advice you'll never get in trouble yeah and it's it, it's funny like uh you know just to comment on that from the the woman's side of it it's so frustrating when I'm like sitting there and I'm like, okay, like I keep touching my leg to your leg and like, why aren't you like, you know, grabbing my hand or why aren't you like pulling me closer? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if a woman when, when, okay, so you escalate to a certain level when she is at that level and she's, she's comfortably at that level. If you're not escalating further, she's going to get frustrated and be like, well, why isn't he, why isn't he taking more initiative? You know, because once she's at your level, then it's your job to then lead it forward. And I see a lot of guys that are like, well, I don't want to push it too much or whatever. Look, it's always better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And, um, you know, if, if it's, if it's too soon, then you back off again and then, and then you try it again a little bit later. You know, I mean, you know, we, we fall in love through resistance and lust. I mean, women like resisting. I mean, I love resisting. I think it's so much fun you know, to let a guy try for something and then resist and then let him try and then let him try and keep resisting until finally I give in. Like that's, that's my favorite. I love that. It's no fun if I just give in right away. So it's kind of this fun dance. And if you can see it that way, then you'll be in business. <laughs> this is wonderful. Another idea that popped into my head. And I think that this is something that a lot of guys are listening to this have come across They'll be in the middle of a conversation and some a woman that they're interacting with will make some type of sexual comment and they won't know what to do. Should they pick up on that comment, make a comment that's even more assertive and more sexual or should they back off and take the safe route? And I think a lot of the guys are listening to this, take the safe route. Can you talk about what's happening in those situations? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I love this. I just, I get really excited about this stuff. It's funny. I'm like walking around, like trying to stay still in my apartment right now. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's really when, when a woman says something sexual or, um, you know, makes a, a very forward comment or something like that. I mean, that is an open invitation to say, you know, whatever you want that is at the level she said, or even pushing it a little bit further. And if you don't do that, um, then she thinks, uh, honestly, like, it's like, oh, may maybe he's, maybe he's not that interested. Maybe he actually has a girlfriend or maybe, you know, maybe he's just he's really gay. not that into me or maybe he's gay. Well, around here, I mean, I live near West Hollywood. So honestly, that is a, a legitimate thing. Like I've actually been like, 
you know, said something sexual and then someone didn't. I was like, oh shit, is he gay? Am I like hitting on a gay guy? It, it's true. Like she doesn't know because when, when a woman says something sexual, the expected response or the response she's, she's trying to elicit is something sexual back. And so absolutely don't take the safe route. Even if, even if she says something and it's sort of like accidentally like, oh, that sounded bad or whatever, you know, like, and she kind of plays it off, whether she meant to or not, that's still an opportunity to go there or whatever. And I I feel like whatever you do, you can always, if you're pushing boundaries a little bit and you're, you know, you're kind of being sexual and this is also something at night versus day, you know, you have more leeway at night at like a bar or something than you do like at the bank during the day. I don't know why I keep saying bank, like people are hitting on people at the bank. But anyway, if you always have this um, sort of idea that you're blaming it on your dirty mind, you know, like, oh gosh, there's my dirty mind again. Like have something that is like, it's not my fault. It's my dirty mind again, or whatever your thing is, or, or you just do this to me. Um, I had someone legitimately, oh gosh, this is funny. We're at a lunch date. You know, we've known each other and been around each other in like social circle for a while, but never gone on a date. So it's our first date. And um, he legitimately starts full on because we were, we were having a sexual conversation. It was, I was absolutely giving him the in for that. I I was just, I mean, that's just me though. I just, I talk about this stuff like it's like whatever. And so he, he's like, um, starts legitimately dirty talking. Like, you know, this is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm going to do to you. And, and this, this whole, this whole thing. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there like, how, how are you doing this right now? Like what, what is going on? You know, like, how did you just start doing that? And then, but I couldn't like get mad about it. It was more like a, more like shock. It, it was like, I was just shocked, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you actually took that and went there with it because I gave him like a small in, but he just like took it. Like, you know, you give a man an inch, he'll take a mile. Yeah. I mean, women, women expect you to do that. So do it. Because I, I, I was shocked and I, I couldn't believe it. It was hot and it was interesting and it was unexpected because men usually don't pick up on that stuff as, as much. Not all men, some men do. Again, I, I'm, I'm very much enjoying this conversation. I think the listeners are too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it's important as men that we take responsibility for this stuff. I'll never forget, I, I met this girl uh, one night out uh, with a friend of mine and we dipped out of this party and we were actually we were talking about books. And then after we went to go meet somebody, she had a friend who was in a band or something. So we tried to go to the band and afterwards we ended up going back to her house to hang out with some friends. And at the end of the night, I ended up spending the night over and uh, we're in bed and not really wearing very many clothes. And uh, she goes, I, I, she started freaking out. She goes, I don't normally do this. I don't n- normally do this. And I said, don't do what? And she goes, well, this. And you could see that she was just feeling insecure. And so I just looked at her and I told her, you're not doing anything wrong. I'm a man and you're a woman and I'm attracted to you. This is biology. And, uh, <laughs> and then she looked at me and she goes, okay. And that was it. And then I dated her for a couple of years. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as men, I mean, we just don't need to be embarrassed about this stuff. And I mean, again, there's this emotional intelligence component that is, takes a little while to develop. Uh, but I think the stuff that you're talking about is so important. We've talked a lot about your turn-ons and I feel like we should continue to explore them. <laughs> so, um, what are some of the other things that are kind of your biggest turn-ons when you're out with a guy on a first date, for example? Okay. Um, 
yes, and I'm actually going to kind of circle around and talk about with this that um, the heart energy and the emotional intelligence component because that definitely goes into one of my turn-ons, and I think that's really important as well. Um, if it just just one way to think about emotional intelligence, sexual intelligence, and intellectual intelligence. If you're automatically naturally leading with your intellectual intelligence or your emotional intelligence, which are most clients I see because usually the guys who lead with their sexual intelligence don't have an issue and they have to then learn how to be, um, you know, not such a douchebag or, you know, whatever. I hate that word, but yeah. Um, anyway, so learning how to um, incorporate all of those together is something that is going to ultimately be the full package. So, um, and, and it's something that I think you can actually just energetically become aware of. And this is a good thing because a lot of guys I see are not in their bodies. Um, so becoming aware of your sexual center, and I know you guys know where that is, and then your heart center and where that is, and then your, your, um, your mental center. And see if you can, if a conversation is going all one way, it's like, oh, this is a very sexual center driven conversation, or this is a very logical driven conversation. See if you can change it and make it more interesting and dynamic by injecting a, you know, a little bit of heart energy into there, you know, inject a little vulnerability or maybe, you know, a, a, you know, a heartfelt genuine compliment when the time is right, or, you know, something that's kind of personal, that's like a little bit vulnerable for you to share. And if it's kind of going in a super heart mushy gushy way, throw in a sexual joke, like keep aware of those three things and where it's going. Because one of the things that turns me on is, um, someone who actually can kind of navigate the those centers smoothly because I, you know, will have a love having like a philosophical conversation, you know, until 6am with someone. So if they can't do that, that's going to be like, eh, okay. You know, like that's not, that's not interesting because, you know, I might want to have a conversation after I fuck you. Right. You know, I, I want you to be able to do that too. So, and then, and then also the, the heart energy, you know, um, it's so important to have that mixed with the sexual energy because, I mean, just, just to be, you know, really blunt for, with this for a second, like just sexual energy without any hard energy is essentially where rape comes from. It's, there's no, there's no care in it. So really having a sweetness is actually a good thing. And, and, and I, I love a, a man who is sweet, you know, like someone who actually does open the door and does something like that, like little things that are like, you know, I said, oh, I'm in a bad mood. Like I could really go for some dark chocolate and he brings dark chocolate over. And I'm like, wow, you just listened to that like little offhanded comment I made and actually made it a reality. That lets me know that you're thinking about me and you, and you, you care about me. And that means a lot. So, you know, I feel like being able to navigate these different dynamic energies and being able to be all of them you know, within, uh, you can be all of them within a three minute conversation. And that's, what's going to leave the most lasting impression and be like, wow, that guy like is a really great guy in a lot of ways. So specifically turn on for me is, is listening. And that, you know, kind of demonstrated that with the, the chocolate thing, but 
you know, I remember a time when I was on a, on a date and, you know, a guy, guy said something and he said something about, um, my great grandmother had just died and he didn't know this, you know, I mean, this was like first date, you know, and, and he said something about, um, you know, his grandparents and, you know, it was like a really happy conversation. And I all of a sudden, I don't know what I did. I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I wasn't trying to like telegraph some deep emotional shit. You know, I like looked away and, you know, kind of looked down and my energy subtly changed for a second. And he was like, what just happened? He's like, you, you know, your, your energy just shifted. What, what happened? And I was like, what? You just noticed that my energy shifted and you want to know what happened. You're not just concerned about telling your story and talking about yourself and whatever. Like I was like, wait, are we in Los Angeles? Like what's going on here? And, um, it was, it was amazing because I, I actually felt like someone got me, which is, I think something that is, is really attractive and that comes through listening. When you're really listening to someone, you can get things about them that other people might not normally get. And then he followed that up with, and I was like, yeah, you know, I was just, um, I actually just, you know, and I told him because I wasn't going to just, you know, lie. Now he brought it up. So I was like, yeah, you know, I lost my, my grandmother, you know, this, this month and it's hard. I just, you know, I, I love her and, you know, and it was like, and, and the conversation took like a real personal turn for a second, you know, and he was like, you know, that's really cool. You know, thank you for, for sharing that with me. I, you know, I feel like you're, um, a really strong woman that doesn't always, show a lot of that kind of emotion and and vulnerability. And like, I I appreciate that. And it was just like, holy shit. Like, who are you? Like, how do you know me? You know, but it was like, he, he kind of just got this thing through, through listening and through just being present with me. And I was immediately like the, the, will I sleep with you radar definitely went on from that because it's like, okay, if he, he, he's that attentive, in this conversation over dinner in this loud restaurant, how attentive is he going to be in the bedroom? Which is, you know, something that women are always thinking about. It's like, well, if he's this way here, how will he be there? And so, you know, it was like, I think that kind of listening and being attentive and noticing things about her and then not being afraid to say a few things, um, call it cold reading if you want, say something that you notice about her that is um, interesting to you and just making a comment on it. And then she's like, Oh wow, you noticed something about me. Like it's a, it's another attractive thing and and injects a little bit more of that heart energy in, into your interactions. Yeah. I I mean, I agree 1000%. The stuff that you're saying is absolutely, absolutely great. I mean, if a girl only thinks that that you want to fuck her, you know, she sleeps with you once. If she thinks that's the whole thing the relationship's about, it's going to die. I usually tell guys like don't have sex with somebody unless you would have sex with them a second time. Sometimes you, during that process, you find out you wouldn't. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but like, but that should be kind of like the general idea. That doesn't mean that you're going to marry every girl that you have sex with or you're going to be a long-term relationship, but have sex with people that you like. It will force you to kind of have a little bit higher standards. And in the long run, I promise you, it will have a better impact on the health of your own life. But you said some stuff earlier on in the conversation. You talked about get out of the house and do shit. Like read books. Yeah. Like there's a great t-shirt, the yeah. strand in New York city that says, if somebody doesn't have books, don't fuck them <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or something to, or something to that, that effect. But like, 
Go, go out, get out of the house, do stuff like volunteer for things, get involved with organizations, take classes. That's how you're going to develop more interesting conversation by doing things, meeting new people, talking. And it happens organically, really, when you get the hell out of the house. But if you're sitting at home every day, like just surfing the net, then you're having conversations for the most part with yourself, right? Or you're sitting at home watching Game of Thrones, which I love. You're essentially having conversation with yourself. Going back to the, the idea of, and that, that's about kind of this head energy thing that you're talking about. And then if we go to the heart energy, just being open in the fastest way I've ever discovered to uh, making a girl feel comfortable is to be non-judgmental, to just accept her for who she is. That doesn't mean that you love everything about her, but don't judge her for them. We all make various choices in our life. We all want to be heard. We all want to be understood. Uh, we all do the things that we do for very specific reasons. But if you don't judge a girl, if you don't make her feel judged, she'll open up to you and the relationship will be better in every way. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. We're kind of getting over on time. Are there any last things that you want to want to recommend, tips you want to give the listeners? Just a quick little, we didn't talk about online dating at all. So I'll just kind of throw this in there. Um, it's funny because when someone comes with a, you know, like I want to online, you know, I want to do online dating, help me create a profile that type of thing. The first thing I do is like, okay, you know, write down a list of cool things you've done, you know, not adjectives because that's boring. Like actually like physical things I've done. You know, I, you know, if you want to say you're adventurous, then saying that you, you know, went across the country in an RV rock climbing at random destinations out without knowing exactly where you were going or whatever, you know, if you have an experience like that, and you say something about that, then girl thinks, oh wow, this is an adventurous guy, rather than actually just claiming that you are that. And the funny thing that I find is many guys want to claim a lot of adjectives that I don't let them claim because they haven't actually done anything that says they are that. You know, like you say, you know, like I'm like, okay, you're adventurous, awesome, tell me why. You know, and then, and I'm like, you haven't done anything adventurous? Okay, well, go scuba diving and then come back and we'll put that on there and take a picture of it as well. So you can put a picture of you underwater and then she thinks, oh wow, this guy's adventurous. And look, he has a picture of scuba diving, you know, I mean, or whatever your sort of personality is. Um, and, and I find that a lot of these guys just haven't done anything. They haven't done anything cool. I'm like, why would I want to date you? Like, what's cool about you? And that's kind of the, the thing is like, would you want to date you? So if not, then go start doing some stuff with, with your time, you know, put the video games away. I mean, that's absolutely like not, not going in the right direction. I mean, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I mean, really get out <laughs> and start doing some things that are interesting to you, because if you're interesting to you, then you're more likely to be interesting to a, a woman. Jamie, as I said before, I, I think yeah. I'm falling in love with you. Hopefully, I can get you to come back on the podcast. This has been absolutely incredible. And if you're listening, you want to learn more about Jamie or programs or coaching, the different things that she does, I'm going to post some links on the Craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about her more easily. Thank you again. Cool. Thank you very much. It was, it was lots of fun. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. 
Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.